believes the Lord wants to do something with you? How many would like to have the Lord do something with you? How many wants the Lord to do something in you? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 15. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you just the way it is for me, and this has been a while coming, but mostly I preach about Jesus. Is that okay with you? If, you, if you're looking for somebody to dig the jam out from between the toes of Daniel's image, I'm not your guy. If you want somebody to give you some deep mystery that nobody's ever heard tell of before and, and dazzle you with all kinds of ecclesiastical, theological words, I'm not your guy. But if you want something about Jesus that'll put some gas in your tank and get you through tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, I can probably help you with that. Is that okay? All right. Now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to finish before you do. Have you ever been in church and you were finished before the preacher was? Not here, but have you ever been somewhere else, maybe? I was, uh, I was watching this guy preach one time on TV, and I thought, man, that is awesome. If I ever get a chance to hear that guy preach, I'm going to go, I'm going to go sit in on the meeting. And lo and behold, he came to a city about, oh, two, three hours away from where I was living. And I just blocked everything off the schedule, and I jumped in my car, and I drove the whole way there to get to that meeting. And he was having a bad night. And uh, he preached for about two hours and 15 minutes, and I was done at 36. It was a long, long night and a long drive home. So I'll tell you what, I'll finish before you, if you help me. Can we do that? Tomorrow morning, uh, I want you to just, just keep this in mind. Be, be in prayer tonight when you go home and thinking about this in the morning when you get up. But uh, I want us to really be believing tomorrow morning that God is going to bring healing to the house. The folks are going to receive touches from the Lord. We're going to see that tonight too, but, but tomorrow morning we're going to just kind of zero in on that and we're going to just see that the Lord just really strengthens and encourages and helps and heals and delivers some people. Do you, do you believe he can do that? Do you believe he wants to do that? I'll tell you something that the Bible says that, that he's more willing to give than we are to receive. That means that, that he wants to give it more than you want to get it that he wants to do it more than you want to see it done, that he wants to pour it out even more than you want to soak it up. He wants it to happen more than you do. Praise the Lord. You haven't even begun to imagine yet all the stuff that he has in store because the scripture says, eyes not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of any man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Now, now this is the neatest script, one of the neatest scriptures in the whole Bible, that, that verse because he talks about the future in the past tense. I said, he talks about the future in the past tense. He said, you haven't seen what God has prepared. That's future. But yet it's past. You haven't seen it yet, but God's already been there and set it up. You ever have company over for a barbecue? So you say, 
Come over to my house six o'clock. We're going to have some hamburgers or steaks or whatever. So they show up at about five to six, and you say, "Well, have a seat over there. I gotta, I gotta go to the freezer here and and see if we got anything." And then you take it out of the freezer and you say, "Well, we'll watch the football game while they thaw out." And and uh, along about nine o'clock, we'll fire up the grill, and and uh, we should be eaten by midnight. <laughs> Is that the way you do it? No, long before six o'clock, uh, you you girls are, are 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 fixing the salads and getting the drinks ready and getting everything all the the table all set. You got if you're eating outdoors, you got the picnic table all set up and the stuff on it. If you're eating indoors, you got your china out on the table and everything ready. And uh, your company comes at five to six and they walk in and they say, "Wow!" And they don't realize you've been in preparation for a long time before they got there. You had it ready when they arrived. You were working on their future before they could see it. And I'm going to tell you something about God. He's been working on your future long before you were. Hallelujah. He knows the way that I take. My steps are ordered of him. I am on my way to what God has prepared for me. And I don't even know what that is yet. But I know this. It's good. It's wonderful. It's blessed. And when I get there, it's going to be ready. And you're going through some stuff in your life. You know, none of the stuff you're going through right now took God by surprise. I don't believe God's looking over the portals of heaven and he sees the mess going on in your life and he says, oh no, I wasn't expecting that. Gabriel, Michael, come here, what are we going to do? I wasn't counting on that. I never planned for that to happen. How are we going to fix this man? Do you think God's talking like that about you? No. Hebrews says he's the author and the finisher. The author and the perfecter. Is that what it says? The, the newer versions say author and perfecter. The King James says author and finisher. How many ever read a novel? All right. So, so here, here's how the novel goes. You know, the, the character, he's, he's in this novel and he's in trouble. I used to read these Western novels, these Louis L'Amour Western stories. And my favorite characters in those Louis L'Amour books was, was a guy named Tell Sackett. And Tell Sackett was this six-foot-one cowboy, you know, and, and so he's, you're reading the story, and he's coming down off the mountain, you know, he's got a bandage around his head, and his left arm ain't working properly, and, and he's been shot in the right leg, and he hasn't ate for three days, and he's got three bullets left in his gun, and there's 14 bad guys waiting in town to shoot him down, and I'd be reading one of those stories late at night when I was a kid, and I'd have the covers up over my head, and the lamp pulled in under so my parents wouldn't know I was still reading, and I'd get to the point I was scared to turn the page. So I'd cheat, and I'd read the last two pages. And there's old Tell Sackett riding off into the sunset. He's got that beautiful girl on behind him, the bag of gold sitting in front of him, and everything's just going fine. And I go, shh, he made it. <laughs> then I could go back and finish the story. See, Louis L'Amour was the author and the finisher. 
He had the power to write that character into any kind of predicament you could imagine, but he also had the power to write him out. Hallelujah. And the Bible says about, about his people, how he brought them in and he brought them out. He brings them in and he brings them out and he brings them in and he brings them out. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your journey. He is still with you because he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm not going to quit walking with you. And it may look like the sky's dark and the wind's blowing and the rain's fallen and everything's against you and God just whispers in your ear and says just wait a minute I haven't started to fix this yet but I'm about to hallelujah he will deliver you well anyways we, we better read a scripture here in Matthew 15 verse 21 then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. In another passage, it calls her a Syrophoenician woman. Uh, and you'll find that over in, in uh, Mark. But he answered her, verse 23, not a word. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, because she cries out after us. She was driving them nuts. I inserted that. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 25, then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When Jesus said, wow, and then he said it backwards, Wow. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for this congregation and these pastors. We thank you, Lord, for, for what's being done in hearts and lives in this house. Lord, I pray you'll help us to look to you and to believe that you are the author and the finisher of our lives and of our faith. Have you weighed our hearts tonight and in the days to come? We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I hope this doesn't offend you, but I'm going to bring it right out in the open just so you can see it. I have a bottle of Coke Zero here. I'm going to take a drink of it, okay, right now. If that offends you, you see me after church, I will lay hands on your head and pray for you, and you'll be all right tomorrow. Amen? All right, let's get this story going here, this, this passage we read. We've got Jesus doing his thing, and he's healing the sick, and he's, he's teaching, and he's doing everything that he does. He's doing some really good ministry. And right in the middle of their church service, this woman shows up. And she shows up and disrupts the meeting. I love it when needy people disrupt the order of the service. Amen. She comes and she starts 
howling at everybody there. Come help me. My daughter's got a devil. I don't know what I'm going to do. Please help me. Please help me. And she comes and bursts into this nice little healing service they're having. And the disciples get offended. It's always the disciples that get offended. Amen. Oh, I'm not going to preach on that. I'll just, I'll just back up from that. You can process that in your own, in your own way. But this woman comes. She's a Syrophoenician woman. She's a, a Canaanite woman. She's got a lot of stuff. Everything is stacked against her. Have you ever felt like everything was against you? I told Pastor Day we were having lunch. I, I went through a time in my life. We were, we were kind of sharing some war stories there, you know, having a steak and enjoying each other's fellowship. And I was telling about this time that uh, I made my little journey into hell and out again. And, and uh, uh, I, I just felt like God had moved away and hadn't left a forward an address. And, and I felt like everything in the world was stacked against me and I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I described it like I came to the edge of a cliff and then I stepped off into the abyss and I didn't know how to get back out. Have you ever felt like everything was against you? That's the way this woman was. Everything really was against her. First of all, her nationality was against her. You know, we, we live in this, this woke age, you know, when, when you can't say anything about anybody or anything, and, and everybody's all touchy-feely and, and, and everything. But, but let's just look at, at the context here. First of all, she's a Syrophoenician in a land full of Jews. So automatically, the walls are up. Then, to top it off, she is a woman, a real woman, biologically, emotionally, in every other way. <laughs> she really is. In an age where women didn't say anything. The men did all the talking. The women were quiet, and they, they, they just kind of stayed in the background. She comes bursting into this church service, yelling at the top of her lungs about her daughter having a problem. And uh, she, she's of a different nationality. She speaks a different language. She is a woman. And uh, she is not a believer per se in, in what they, her religion is against her. She's a pagan. She's not a Jew. Everything was stacked against her. And not only that, she was a nagger. She nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged. She got on everybody's nerves. She got harping on this one thing and she wouldn't let up. Have you ever met anybody like that that just gets on a subject and they won't let it go? They just chew and chew and chew and chew. And every time you see them, you know they're going to be growling about the same thing. She's got a one-track mind. Her daughter's sick. Her daughter's got a devil. And that's all she can talk about. That's all she wants to talk about. If you met her on the street corner, she'd say, my name is Sally or whatever. And then she'd start telling you about her daughter. If you met her in the grocery store, it was the same thing. If you met her at church, it was the same thing. If you met her going down the street, it was the same thing. She's just on and on and on and on and on. And, and sometimes people, they, they get on your nerves. She got on. The disciples, it was so bad, Peter, he got to the point where he had one nerve left and she was jumping up and down on it. My daughter, 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 my daughter. And it's just monotonous. She just won't let up. She won't stop. She won't quit. She's just on and on and on and on. And finally, the disciples are saying, would you get her out of here? She's driving us nuts. 
I can just hear. I can just hear in the background James and John singing. I used to love her, but I had to kill her. <laughs> you would know what that song was, though, would you? <laughs> she won't quit. And so here she is doing her thing. And Jesus ignores her. The Bible says he answered her not a word. He ignored her. And she went away. Now, I, I got four things I want to preach about here about faith. The first is her faith overcame all the obstacles against her because, first of all, she had faith to come. Have you ever been a time in your life when you didn't know what to do? When you don't know what to do, don't forget where to go. When you don't know what to do, don't forget where to go. She had faith to come. She didn't know what to expect. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know everybody else in the whole country was tired of hearing her story, but she had faith to come. She heard Jesus was in the place, that he healed people, that he cast out devils, that he did these wonderful works, and she said, I am coming to Jesus. She had faith to come. Remember, there's a story of another woman in the Bible who had an issue of blood. And the crowd wouldn't let her near Jesus. But she said, if I could just touch him, or even the hem of his garment, I'd be made whole. And the Bible says she pressed through the crowd. Now, how many has got an imagination that still works? Now, I imagine this lady uh, that, that had the issue of blood. I, I picture her like Granny Clampett in the hillbillies. <laughs> and she's, she's kind of feisty, you know. And she gets there in the crowd, and they won't let her in. And she just hauls off, and she kicks one guy in the shin. And she elbows another guy in the ribs. And she worms her way in there. And she stomps on somebody's foot. And they're saying, ow, and she takes their place. And the next thing you know, she reaches out, and she touches his garment. And she's made whole. The day that she got healed, everybody was driving the disciples nuts, saying, Jesus, touch me. But she came to church saying, I must touch him. Praise the Lord. You know, so often we come to church, bless me, sing to me, preach to me, help me, pour it out on me, let me soak it up. And church becomes all about us. But what would happen if we just laid us at the door and we come into his presence and we said, I don't care what happens to me. I'm not leaving till I touch him. I'm not leaving till I come into his presence. I'm not leaving until I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I must touch him. This woman, she came with this problem with her daughter and she said, I've got to get to Jesus. She had faith to come. Now, I don't know what you're going on, what's going on in your life, but the very fact that you're here tonight exhibits this one wonderful truth. You had faith to come. Come to Jesus. If you're tired, come to Jesus. If you're sick, 
come to Jesus. If you're hurting, come to Jesus. If you're angry, come to Jesus. If you're bitter, come to Jesus. If you're tired, come to Jesus. If you're sore, come to Jesus. If you're broke, come to Jesus. If you're dying, come to Jesus. If you're feeling great, come to Jesus. Whatever else you do, come to Jesus. She had faith to come. Then Jesus ignores her, and she had faith to stay. There are a lot of people, I call them fair-weather Christians. Sun's shining, sky's blue, temperature's just right, the air's not too humid, and they want to come. One drop of rain comes, one little cloud appears, and boom, they're gone. They're fair-weather Christians. Then you have some people that are just the opposite of that. They're foul-weather Christians. They, they, they run away as far as they can when the weather's good, but as soon as they have a crisis, they come running back. Storm hits, they're coming. They're in there. First thing they do. For, you know, they'll ignore you. They'll ignore God. They'll ignore the church. They'll ignore everybody. And then all of a sudden, they hit the wall, and zoom, they're back in the church. Oh, God, help me. Hallelujah. I'm going to rededicate my life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'll, I'll be a missionary to India on my own dime. They're foul-weather Christians, but we need to be all-weather believers. Rain, shine, sleet, snow, hail, it doesn't matter. Whatever's going on in my life, we need to stay. Everybody say stay. stay. Praise the Lord. She had faith to stay. You know, nobody wanted her there. The crowd didn't want her there. The disciples didn't want her there. The disciples are saying to Jesus, would you send her away? That's getting pretty bad when even the leadership are saying, God, would you get them out of here? She's just driving us nuts. And she stayed anyway. She didn't care. Didn't bother her. Didn't affect her one bit. She doesn't leave. She gets on the disciples' nerves. And finally, Jesus acknowledges her. And he says, I'm only sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, how would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? You, you've, you've endured all this stuff, and nobody wants you there, and everybody hates you, and nobody likes you, and you're not welcome, and you're not made to feel welcome, and nobody's rolling out the welcome mat. Nobody asks you if you want a bottle of water or a cup of tea or anything. They just want you out of there. And you've stayed through all of that anyway. And then finally, the person you came to see speaks to you and basically says, what are you doing here? I wasn't sent to help you. I was only sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. How would you feel at that point? I've seen people get offended and run off for a lot less. Hello? And she hears those words. And then she leaves. Have you ever got bad news and got discouraged? And she did. She got discouraged. She left. 
But somewhere in her walking away, she got a little fire in her bones, and she turned around, and she came back. The Bible says afterwards she came again and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She had faith to come, she had faith to stay, and she had faith to worship. See, worship, we, we get that confused with feeling good. But worship is what we do whether we feel good or don't feel good because it ain't about us. It's about him. That's why the Bible says to offer up the sacrifice of praise continually, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, and to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. We don't worship because we feel like it. We don't worship because things are good. We don't worship because we like the atmosphere. We don't worship because just simply we're with a bunch of folks that think the same way we do. We worship because it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And that's why we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And we know that the Lord, he is God. Praise the Lord. She comes, but now I want you to notice something here. This, this describes a heart change. She's saying the same thing. She's saying, Lord, help me. That's what she was saying before. But afterwards, she came again and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Her words didn't change, but something happened on the inside that she decided no matter what's happening around me, no matter what's going on, no matter how I feel, no matter how everybody's looking at me, no matter how bad it looks on the outside and how grim the situation is, I am going to worship him. Lord, help me. Faith to worship. When do you worship your best? When the air conditioner's got just the right temperature and they hit the song you really like and everything is going really good in your world and, and, and all the right buttons get pushed and boom. Move over, Kim Walker. I'm ready to praise him tonight. Like Paul and Silas are in prison. They're in the bottom of the dungeon, the lowest part of the prison, right in the bowels of the thing. Now, if you know anything about plumbing, they're down there where the sewer is. They're in stalks and fetters. They've been beaten within an inch of their life. The blood's been running down their back. The rats are nibbling at their toes. The centipedes are crawling in and out of their ears. It's dark. They hurt. They ache. They're sore. They're tired. And Paul says to Silas, I think a song would be in order. And Silas says, everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. I'm going to eat some worms. Is that what he does? No, at midnight, they began to sing praises to God. Not because they felt good 
Not because the surroundings were ideal. Not because everybody wanted to hear them. Not because everything was just right. Not because the atmosphere was perfect. But they began to sing praises unto God. And I want you to note in that story that at midnight, they began to sing praises to God. And midnight is the exact moment in time when one day ends and another begins. Like it'll be Saturday until midnight. At the stroke of midnight, it becomes Sunday. Is that right? And it's impossible to even measure how long that is. But at midnight, the day changes immediately. At midnight, it's not Saturday anymore, it's Sunday. Is that right? At midnight, they begin to sing praises unto God. It was Saturday night, and they were bloody, and they were tired, and they were beaten, and they were sore, and they were wounded, and they were in trouble, and they were in bondage, and, the, and everything was against them, and the stench was horrible, and it was dark, and it was miserable. But at midnight, they begin to sing praises unto God, and I'm going to tell you what happened. Elvis Presley wasn't the first one to sing Jailhouse Rock. It was Paul and Silas down there in the prison. They started singing praises unto God, and that place began to shake, and the fetters fell off of their hands and all of a sudden the jailer comes in and says oh my goodness everybody's getting out of here and he's getting ready to kill himself and Paul says don't do yourself any harm we're just having church and he takes them home bathes their wounds feeds them clothes them and before the night is over they have a revival breakout and a church is planted they went from one day to another just like that. Faith to worship. The sacrifice of praise is when I worship regardless of what I see. I worship regardless of what I've heard. I worship regardless of what I know. I worship regardless of how I feel. I worship regardless of where I'm at. I worship because I'm the created and he's the creator, hallelujah. And I wanna love him and I wanna praise him and I wanna lift him up because that's what I was created to do. She came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. So she has faith to come, she has faith to stay, she has faith to worship, and it impresses Jesus so much that he looks her right in the eye with all the compassion written in his face, and he calls her a dog. That's what he does. You imagine, you've been going through hell all day, Things have been awful in your life. Your world has just been rocked in every way. You're upset. You're tired. You're broke. You're not feeling good. Everything has gone against you. And you come to church and, and, and the altar call's given and you come forward and you're standing there just, just waiting to receive. And the evangelist comes and looks you in the eye and said, whose dog is this? <laughs> Hello? That's what he did. He said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. At that point, 85% of all believers in churches today would be headed for the exit saying, 
I'm offended. I'm offended he didn't call me a cat. He called me a dog. I'm offended because of this. I'm offended because of that. They come in with that big chip right on their shoulder, just begging somebody to bump it off so they can be offended and go home. Hello? Imagine you're at your wit's end. This thing has been going on for a long time. Nobody wants to listen to you. you. You've just made an enemy of everybody that you've ever talked to because you can't stop talking about this problem. Everything's going wrong in your life and you're in a strange country and you don't even speak the language very well and everybody's looking at you sideways and then all of a sudden the one hope that you have says, you're a dog. What would you do at that point? What would you say? What would your response be? <laughs> she looked him right in the eye, and she said, that is the truth. That's what I am. But even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said, wow. And he took a deep breath and he said it backwards. Wow. <laughs> he said, I have never seen faith like this in all of Israel. She had faith to come. She had faith to stay. She had faith to worship. And she had faith to receive. Yeah, Lord, that's what I am. That's all I am. I ain't never been nothing else. But even the dogs, even the dogs get fed when the master eats. Send me a crumb. Send me a piece. Give me some leftovers, anything at all. It's enough. Jesus said, be it unto you even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Faith to come. Faith to stay. Faith to worship. Faith to receive. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.